and and you know going back to what warren buffett once said you got to be fearful when others are greedy and greedy when others are fearful and i think now is a good time to be greedy and on ads because a it's a very good short term sort of marketing strategy and if the numbers work in your favor which they probably might now with the cost going down then you might as well put $1 in to get $3 back what's up everybody welcome to the growth collective podcast i'm your host max aid and today we're sitting down with B2B marketing expert, Sid Baroth. He's one of the incredible B2B marketers in the Growth Collective Network. And he's worked with tons of SaaS companies on their growth strategy. This is an episode that we recorded way back, feels like a long time ago, at the beginning of the COVID-19 crisis. And at the time, brands were running scared. Everyone was pausing their marketing and Sid was telling everybody to keep playing offense during these tough times. And that was advice that has definitely stood the test of time sitting here a few months later. We had a really interesting conversation. I think you're really gonna enjoy it. Let's get into it. Sid, welcome. Thanks so much, Max. How you doing? Doing good. So excited to be on this podcast. Yeah. Where? So I guess to start, Tell us about your quarantine situation you've got going on. Yeah, so I'm up in Vancouver here. As you know, I've, I've spent a lot of time in San Francisco as well, working with a ton of these SaaS companies. But now with the border being shut, I'm cooped up here in Vancouver. But I'm still doing a lot of my work online, obviously. That's a good thing about the tech business is that it's all online. Vancouver is, uh, I, I, it's not as bad as what I'm hearing for, about SF. It's not like a full yeah. lockdown. It's just a, sort of like, Essential businesses are open. People are still going out, but you know, it's it's still it feels normal, but not extremely normal. You know, <laughs> I totally get it. I I actually got out of San Francisco. I'm in Atlanta right now. Mm-hmm. Pretty similar situation. Still feels like everything's closed, but yeah. a little more space to move around. Exactly. So tell us a little bit about what you're seeing with SaaS companies right now. What are they doing marketing wise? What are they doing business wise? You know, across the board, for most of the companies that I'm seeing, they are sort of cutting down on marketing spend. So one example is a company, it's a procurement software company. I don't want to name names and stuff because, you know, obviously it impacts like the yeah. workers and stuff. But one, one company, it's a procurement software that allows, you know, businesses to manage the, the things that they purchase for running the business, their spend, all of that kind of stuff. They had to lay off a few people from the marketing department and cut down on some of the marketing spend, right? Another software that caters to government, their board of directors suggested that they lay off the entire marketing and sales team and focus just on, on product and supporting the existing customers. And see, these are like, you know, isolated cases. They're across the board companies. The first thing that they do in, in, in situations like these where demand is lower, they feel like it's harder to make sales. The revenues are going down. The first thing they do is cut their costs, and the biggest cost usually is the marketing team, right? So that's the first to go. But I have a different theory on that. I have like I I I don't think that's the best idea for most companies, and I do think there are alternatives. And uh, yeah, we can discuss that in this podcast. Yeah, I I woke up this morning. I was check, checking my LinkedIn feed, and almost every post was essentially an announcement from a founder or an owner or an executive that they had to do layoffs. I saw um, some big names, Hilton laid off a lot of staff, as you can imagine, being in the travel space, just 
these huge companies are just having to slash costs, like you said. And it seems like the prevailing wisdom in Silicon Valley is to cut deep and cut early. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, let's let's hope that this is sort of a one-time preventative wave of layoffs and that this doesn't drag on uh, and start to impact even more people as we go on. But how are you seeing that impact the way SaaS companies approach hiring and and then how they're approaching their marketing in the wake of not having a marketing team? Yeah, I mean, like most of them are just like, they're not hiring at all. They're either laying off their marketing staff, cutting salaries, furloughing a few employees, or just like limiting marketing budget in general. And then I think what they're doing right now is just basically focusing on everything else, which is the product, building a product, supporting their existing customers, right? So they're sort of like on, on defense, you know, like instead of trying to get more customers, they're trying to protect the customers that they already have and make sure those customers don't churn. So all the focus is going there, all the budget and management is going, money is going there. Interesting. So are you seeing them make similar cuts on the sales side or it's just on the marketing side and, and they're redirecting those sales resources to their existing accounts? I'm seeing similar cuts on the sales side. Yeah. Typically, so they'll okay. have, you know, like a more established SaaS business has a separate customer support, customer success department. And so the salespeople are outside of that and they also get let go if there are no new leads coming in from the marketing team. Makes sense. Mm-hmm. So let's dive, I guess, then into that's what people are doing. They're, they're slashing their marketing budgets. We're seeing these paid channels, uh, for example, CPCs are down 50%. Yeah. You know, we're seeing this, I, I'm seeing personally this influx in freelance marketers because everyone's getting laid off from their full-time marketing gigs. Uh, so we know that this is happening kind of across the board, but what do you think people should be doing? How do you think people should be approaching this? maybe in a more offensive way. Yeah. So I think the, the, the idea here is, is this concept that I'm, I'm sort of developing is the idea of an obvious product and a non-obvious product. And it's very situation based, right? So the context right now is this global pandemic, right? And the first order consequence of this global pandemic is that people have to start working from home and social distancing, right? And so the obvious product in this global pandemic are products like Zoom, products like Slack that allow you to communicate either via video, via chat, that allow you to coordinate your resources remotely, that allow you to do virtual standups, that allow you to like, you know, manage projects virtually, right? These become the obvious products. And obviously for Zoom and Slack, they're getting new customers. You saw, I don't know if you saw Stuart Butterfield's Twitter thread the other uh, day, maybe like a week or two ago, where he spoke about how many new millions of users they have got. Uh, Zoom, obviously, the stock has just been rising and rising. I, I heard they went from uh, 10 million daily actives in December to 200 million yeah. daily actives it, in March. And, That's just incredible. And so, obviously, like Zoom, Slack, and these other obvious products don't need to lay off marketers. They probably need to hire more marketers and, and expand, right? So, if you happen to be an obvious product, good for you. You're like, you're, you're solid, you're set, your goal, continue marketing, maybe do more marketing, right? But for everything else, they fall mostly into this bucket of non-obvious, right? And the non-obvious bucket is basically the products that serve the second and third order effects of what's happening right now. So the second order effect of everyone working from home is that your local businesses, your barbers, your you know, your barbershops, your uh, restaurants, your yoga studios, your gyms, they're all getting shut down. No one is going there. So second order effect is our delivery apps. Those start to rise, 
because people are delivering food home because their restaurants are closed. Online live classes. So online course platform like Thinkific, for example, that is a, a, a secondary product that serves that secondary second order effect, right? These products are what I call non-obvious because they're not immediately obvious that they will succeed in this kind of environment. But because of the second order effects, they are succeeding. Third order effects where people are getting laid off, where uh, spending is going down. The products that serve those kind of problems or solve those kind of problems are automation products. So your email marketing software, it becomes a third order uh, product that solves the third order effect. So that's also a non-obvious product. The companies that I mentioned earlier, the government software, that is a non-obvious product because as people are getting laid off, unemployment claims start going up. And as those go, go up, people are interacting with the government a lot more. And so the government needs to be more efficient in how they do work. And so they need a software to help them do that. And so that's where the government software comes in. Same thing for the spend management and the procurement software I mentioned earlier. Again, a lot of companies right, right. are have to cut down on spending. So they need to figure out where the spending is going and manage that better. They need a software to do that. So your product is very likely, if it's not an obvious product, a non-obvious product that solves some piece of the second or third order effects of what's happening right now. You just don't know it yet because it's not obvious. So what you need to do in this case is not just cut spending across the board, stop marketing. It is to figure out where you can focus your marketing efforts. Like who needs this product more now than ever? Because if you are a procurement software, there are some companies that need your software now more than ever to manage their spend. If you're a government software, there are government agencies that need your software now more than ever to be more efficient with the way they interact with citizens. If you're an email marketing software, there are people who need your software now more than ever to communicate and automate their marketing. Right. So your, your job now as a non-obvious company and as a marketing team in a non-obvious company or product is to figure out who those people are who need your product even more now because of the circumstances and to switch your marketing to them. So that requires customer research where you try to understand who are these people? Where are they? What are their problems right now? What are they searching for online? Where are they online? Then you have to try to figure out what kind of marketing resonates with them, what messaging. You may even have to pivot some of your marketing and messaging. So I was talking to a friend who works at Lululemon. A lot of the Lululemon marketing is all about, you know, outdoorsy stuff. Go outside, wear these yoga pants or whatever. And now they have to scrap all of that and change the messaging, every page, every product. And you're spending a lot of money to switch the copy around to say, best yoga pants for working out at home. I think you bring up a really interesting point, which is that your normal marketing messages now in many ways are tone deaf. Mm -hmm. If you haven't updated your sales outreach copy, yeah. if you haven't updated some of your advertisements that worked perfectly well for a long time before this, it's very possible that they come across as tone deaf. So the Lululemon is a great example. Are there anything that you've seen from these SaaS companies that's working well in terms of adjusting their messaging? Yeah. So one example is ConvertKit, email marketing software for, for creatives. So if you're a blogger, if you are a YouTuber, you're creating content online, if you're a podcaster, you need email marketing to sort of, you know, collect leads and then to promote your content to those leads. So ConvertKit is a software specifically for that niche of people. And of course, it's a non-obvious product. So what, they, what they've done is they've changed their marketing from simply just like, you know, hey, buy our software and, and communicate with the users to more of, 
hey, we are going to support you as a creator during this period of hardship. I created this thing called yeah. the Creators Fund, which is basically they've put together money from a few people and into one big fund. And they're giving out money to creators who use your platform so that they can support them during a period of hardship. So it's, it's, it's this combination of like, you know, you're changing your messaging to the new reality right now. But you're all, it's like it's also a bit of like you know, social value and additional value to support people during this tough time. And so when the times get better, obviously these people that you supported are going to be even more loyal to you. I, I love the, that example because it's a, it's a genuine effort to help people, mm-hmm. right? And, and you've seen a lot of companies doing that. I know WeFunder, for example, they just launched a, basically a, a themed accelerator for companies that are, are addressing something to do with COVID. Yeah. At the same time, I've gotten connection requests on LinkedIn lately that are using the crisis in their messaging, but not in a very authentic way. Any thoughts there on, on what brands need to do to make sure that it's being received well? Yeah, I absolutely hate it when people do that and use a crisis to sort of profit here. And, and I think the, the sort of distinction here is that Yes, you should be like continuing to market your products and your services during a crisis, but don't use the crisis as sort of like uh, a formal tactic, you know, like a lot of these, a lot of marketers have in today's like online marketing world, a lot of them have come from this, the kind of like Russell Brunson school of marketing or the ClickFunnels school, which is all about shady, you know, buy now tactics, right? You'll get a discount or... And so what they're doing is they're using the COVID thing as, oh my God, you know, business are shutting down, get it now before, you know, things are too late. So don't do that. Absolutely do not use that as a, and, and try to pull on the fear strings of people instead, instead of trying to manipulate people into scaring them and getting a, getting a product, you really want them to want to want your product. And so like one thing is obviously go to the people who already want your product and just show them that you have this product. But for people who don't yet, who, who need your product, but don't yet know that they, they should get it, you, you kind of just want to show them the benefits of the product and the value and how you can help them versus how, how, how you can pull on their fear strings. You know? It feels like a good time to solidify long-term relationships with your existing customers as well by empathizing mm-hmm. right, with what's going on. I, I've received a few very genuine notes from from companies that I'm a customer of that have done a good job of that. Do you see SaaS companies doing that, or, or what other tactics are you seeing SaaS companies using during this time with their existing customers? Absolutely. One example is Gorgeous, which is a customer support software for e-commerce stores. So what Gorgeous found out was that a lot of the companies that use them, which are e-commerce stores, have been seeing declines in sales. So their revenues have been going down, but the amount of customer support that the customer requests you're handling is still staying the same. So they're still putting in the same effort to support their own customers, the shoppers, but the revenues are going down. So, so what Gorgeous has decided to do is pro- provide six months free off their platform for these retailers to use while their revenues are down so that they can continue to support their customers and their shoppers without, you know, having to cancel and make do with inferior software. And this is existing customers, right? They're giving these six months to, I I love that. So it's basically supporting, Hey, you've been with us for a while. 
we have, you know, you've, uh, you've been using a software, you love it, but now you're in a moment of crisis and we get that. We understand that. So we're going to like give you six months of free. That, that to me is just such a win-win mm-hmm. and from the company and the client's perspective. I know Google's doing something similar with their advertisers that have been with them. I think for the last year and a half or so, they're going to give them free ad credits to help them get yeah. through the time. I know Hangouts is our Google Meets been been free, and there's a number of other tools there. It's mm-hmm. like, hey, you know what? We're just not going to charge for for a while. And I think that's a good balance between you know what is obviously a long term self serving thing and what's what will actually help their customers because they are going to to drum up a lot of loyalty they're also going to drum up they're going to they're going to reduce churn long term and they're probably going to get some referrals in there as well yeah exactly yeah and what i like about the way gorgeous is going going about this is you're not you're not using this as a as a as a marketing play and going hey look how awesome we are we're giving everyone six months free they're not making a big hue and cry about it on PR and stuff. This was specifically within their customer group. The only reason I know it is because I was I had done some consulting for them, so I'm within that sort of like uh, communication sphere, and you know, I'm in the kind of like the private uh, Facebook group for the customers. So it's a weird time. There's you know typically when I talk to cu- customers, they're considering a number of different acquisition channels, or they're using a number of different acquisition channels. Mm-hmm. Is there any any that stand out to you right now? Uh, talking about SaaS companies in particular, as a good opportunity, either a good short term opportunity or a good long term opportunity that that people should be looking at. Absolutely, I, I, I mean, like, like we, you mentioned earlier, CPCs and uh, costs for ads are down across the board. Everyone has just decided to cut down on marketing, and they just stop. Ads are the easiest thing to go. And 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 you know, going back to what Warren Buffett once said, you got to be fearful when others are greedy, and greedy when others are fearful. And I think now is a good time to be greedy in, on ads because a, it's a very good short-term sort of marketing strategy. And if the numbers work in your favor, which they probably might now with the costs going down then you might as well put $1 in to get $3 back. And so over there, the way I would see it, like, again, is, is going back to that concept of obvious and non-obvious. If you are an, if you are an obvious product, obviously just like put more money into ads. If you're non-obvious, you kind of want to change who you're targeting with your ads. So you want to like figure out exactly who are the companies that really need your product right now, and then shift the targeting that, and then you need to figure out the messaging for that as well. So I would say, you know, for example, Let's go with let's go with the government software. So instead of just broadly targeting government agencies, you kind of want to target the government agencies who are looking for things like how do I how do we be more efficient with our with citizens? How do we provide the services for citizens when there's a huge demand? How do we make sure that the wait times for citizens, uh, especially in this period, uh, have not increased dramatically? So one thing I've been suggesting is you know putting out content that sort of speaks specifically to this kind of problem point that government agencies are now facing because of the crisis. And then from that content, sort of taking them through that customer journey into sign up for the product, do a demo, that kind of thing. So it's a shift of their marketing messaging from previously, it was mostly around, you know, digitizing their their business, their, the government agency and, and automating things to now be more efficient and faster when dealing with citizens. Yeah, it's interesting too. I mean, depending on the the problem that is now relevant and and needs to be solved for, you could have a situation where um, 
you're able to produce content on some SERPs that are not not so competitive, mm -hmm. uh, which probably wasn't the case for for what your initial uh, positioning was, and yeah. when you're going up against all your competition. So you've got ads. Ads is I agree. I think it's a great opportunity to get into that game if you have the cash flow. You do have to be a business that can monetize those leads or or uh, drive those sales profitably. But if you have the cash and, and the ability to do that, it's a great time. Content sounds sounds great as well. How about in in terms of the long term? You know what I've heard a, a few companies tell me is that because they know they can't turn a great profit in the short term or, or sales are down or conversion rates are down or whatever it is that instead of focusing on those things that they're going to take this time to invest in things that normally would have been longer term priorities. Have you seen anything like that? Do you see any opportunities in that space? Yeah, I'm actually, I'm seeing, well, I'm seeing a lot of agencies start doing this, right? Like, so agencies are seeing less demand in their customers in companies who want to hire them to do marketing work. And so now they're focusing on kind of like the long-term building that brand. So promoting, creating more content. And what I'd say for that is the long-term stuff is, yeah, you know, SEO start to focus on, on content and, and trying to rank for certain terms, but also create evergreen content. So content could be, you could be creating content that's very sort of timely right now, so to speak about the coronavirus and, hey, how do you do yeah, yeah, during a pandemic? But of course, it's, it's very short term and it's, it's not timely once this crisis blows away, whenever it is, I don't know, two months, two years. Hopefully soon. Two decades. I mean, <laughs> apparent, apparently we're, we're going to open the churches for Easter this, this month. So, you know, we'll right. see. Well, we <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you know, create focus on creating long-term evergreen content that would apply not just to this period, but also to a period of, of good times next year or a couple of years that's a really good point we're we're doing that for growth collective we're yep. we had we had some seo content that we were gonna we we're gonna do eventually but we weren't investing in it but it's kind of uh fundamentals you know it's it's not content that's about a particular topic it's just really core seo content that we knew we needed to make and so we're focusing a little bit more on that and a little bit less on outbound sales outreach just for for the reasons you just described Mm -hmm. Yep. So what is the one tip that you would give to any SaaS company during this time? My one tip is for you to understand that if you are a non-obvious product to figure out exactly who are the customers, the companies that need you now more than ever, because they are out there. And just because from your traditional customer personas, you're not seeing a lot of demand, you're seeing lower sales from that group doesn't mean that it's necessarily true across the board. There's a different group out there that needs your product. So go figure out who that is and market to those people instead. That's great advice. I wanted to add one more thing about kind of some of the marketing tactics because we discussed ads and content for the short term, but partnerships is another good one. Like partnering up with other companies in your, that serve, this, serve similar target audiences and sort of helping each other as well. So by combining your resources, you can, you can definitely hit a larger audience as well. So the ConvertKit Creators Fund example is one example of that because they, they're putting in their own money into this fund, but they're also partnering up with other folks to help them with that, creating that fund and distributing the fund out to other creators. Thinkific, which is an online course platform, has been doing this series of online summits where they partner up with other influencers and they sort of promote you know, how to create an online course and that kind of stuff. So 
partnerships are a really good good sort of way to do it. And especially now, one thing I like doing a lot is webinars and and sort of online summits. And now that everyone's working from home and now that, you know, online events are the new norm instead of physical events, this is a good time for you to start doing things like partner webinars and online summits. I couldn't agree more. I think this is the best time to strike partnerships. Mm -hmm. It's just the across the board, every type of partnership, because everyone is looking for an edge right now. Everyone's looking to survive. You know, I think a month ago, people had their own business was doing well. In, in a lot of cases, the economy was really hot, had been hot for a while. But now you've got everybody kind of looking around and making sure that they're, they're opening every door. Yeah. And so it is definitely the right time for partnerships, partnerships like the one you, you described on the marketing side. But also, it's a great time to go get supply partnerships. You know, you could be an e-com store that wanted to add a really a new brand to your to your marketing mix or whatnot, or you wanted to, you know, you're a SaaS company and you wanted to strike an affiliate deal with something, someone who offers this, offers a similar product or, or a tangentially related one to the same audience. This is the time to do that because everyone mm-hmm. needs customers right now. Everyone needs business. So that's great advice. Absolutely. Yeah. And another thing is, you know, there's, I've been looking at these um, online market spaces. I'm starting to see a lot more SaaS companies sell small SaaS sort of tools, start to sell their businesses because obviously it's tough times. And this could be a good, another good acquisition channel is you acquire some of these smaller companies. Again, back to what Warren Buffett said, be greedy when others are fearful, acquire some of these other companies, acquire their customers and integrate them into your, you know, overarching platform. This could be a good time for you to just increase the size of your business. Yeah, I mean, there, this is definitely a moment of have and have nots, right? I mean, the companies that have cash flow or a stockpile of cash, they just raised. You've got your pick. You've got your yep. pick of talent, companies that you were thinking about acquiring, like you're mentioning, going to come at a much lower price point. And uh, yeah, it's an interesting time for, for cer- certain companies may have timed this, this, w- w- what do we, what do we call it? It's like a game of musical chairs, right? <laughs> they got, you got super lucky, happened to raise at the right time or, you know, just, just had good fundamentals and, and now they're prime position to take advantage of the situation. Yeah, exactly. All right. Well, Sid, thanks for joining. This has been great. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me, Max. And so I was, I'm glad we could do this. Same here. Thanks everybody for listening to today's episode. Just a reminder that you can hire Sid to help you with your B2B lead generation efforts right now at growthcollective.com. He's one of hundreds of incredible pre-vetted freelance marketers in the network. And we will actually hand match you with the people who we think are the best fit for your business. Today's episode was produced and edited by my wonderful brother-in-law, David Reinecke. And it's a new podcast. We don't have any reviews or likes or subscribes. So show us some love in your favorite podcast app. We'll see you next time.